Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. It's great. It's on your phone. You call up the app. You got a thing you want to go to in a couple days. Good. That's when the ticket prices are dropping. Find your seats. Click, click, click. You are done. Well, now Game Time is going to hook you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store, then click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, and then under the billing section, redeem the code THEATHLETIC. That's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That would be December 31st, 2019. So make your moves quick and score last-minute tickets with GameTime. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, Monday edition. I do realize it's a little bit later than a lot of you are used to listening to this show. Uh, used to drop on Sunday mornings right after the games ended, basically. You would make some pancakes or a breakfast quiche, and then you'd send me pictures of what you made while you were listening to the show. And I love you for that, by the way, and I still am coming to a lot of your houses to eat breakfast. But from now on, until the season starts again, we're going to be coming on Monday morning, so We'll help you with your drive to work. It's still going to be the same great college football talk you're used to. Just a little less reactionary, a little more forward-looking. Today, we've got a great conversation with a guy you know from one of the best programs in the country. He's been there a long time. Well, now he's striking out on his own as a head coach, taking over his own program and dealing with all the challenges that come with being a first-time head coach in the age of the early signing period. His name is Jeff Scott. He was the co-offensive coordinator at Clemson. Now, he's the head coach at the University of South Florida, and it is a big jump and a big job, and there is a lot to deal with in that first week. And Jeff was hired on a Tuesday. He's got to sign class the following Wednesday. He's got to hire a staff. There's a whole bunch going on. We had a great chat about what he's trying to do at USF and about the system they created at Clemson where it was basically a recruiting machine by the time he left. Well, it wasn't like that at first. And he talked about some of the policies that Dabo Sweeney put in place that people thought were nuts at the time that ended up working out really well for Clemson. And Jeff's going to try to do those at USF, but it's a very different environment. So we'll see. Can he do it? How is he going to handle all the stuff he's got to do as a new head coach? We're going to ask him about it. Here's Jeff Scott. A guy with very little sleep who's doing a whole lot of work right now. Welcome the new coach of the University of South Florida Bulls, Jeff Scott. You know him, you love him. He was the co-offensive coordinator at Clemson, and now he is striking out on his own. Dabo says he doesn't have a coaching tree, but he's got a twig. Well, this is this is the twig right here, Jeff Scott. Jeff, how has week one in Tampa been? Uh, it's been great. It's, uh, to be honest, it's uh, felt like about two weeks uh, since I was interviewed in my house the last Sunday. Just so much has gone on. It's been really fast. Uh, probably the, the thing I feel the worst about is about 300 text messages that I have not been able to respond to yet. Um, you know, but it's, it's been great. There's been 
you know, the biggest thing is just trying to prioritize what's the most important to get done right now and to put your focus on. But uh, a lot of good things going on and, and been very positive so far. So let's talk about that prioritizing because one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is we're, we're doing a lot of National Signing Day stuff this week, and you took the job on a Tuesday night. National Signing Day was eight days away, less than eight days away, really, when you took the job. Now we're sitting here less than three days away from National Signing Day, and, and you mentioned the, the text message. I remember you telling me when I was down in Tampa that you had probably you know 300 text messages just from coaches trying to, or I know I think it was 500 text messages from coaches yeah. trying to, to, to get spots on the staff, but you've also got to worry about putting together a recruiting class. How do you juggle all that stuff? Yeah, there's a, it's a, definitely an inexact science. I think the early signing period has uh, really uh, added to the fray, if you will. And it's just very, uh, you know, difficult. Uh, I've had to call some recruits, and talk to their parents, uh, recruits that have never been to the University of South Florida, recruits that have never met me in person, and I'm trying to talk the mother into allowing her son to sign uh, with University of South Florida next Wednesday. And uh, I've never been in that situation before. It's the exact opposite of how I've always recruited at Clemson, you know, where you're starting a relationship, you know, really two or three years out. And uh, but the early signing period has really kind of made uh, you think about pushing forward some of those conversations and uh, really trying to, you know, see what you can get done. I think for me, uh, the biggest thing is, you know, not to to rush on too many decisions. I know there'll be a lot of uh, kids that will sign this early signing period, but there's also going to be plenty of guys available in January. And so there's a balance of trying to figure out your coaching staff because your coaching staff, you know, is going to dictate what type of uh, particular scheme on offense and defense that you're going to run that can have some, you know, recruiting ramifications from there. So, you know, the biggest thing is really just looking at the current commits uh, that we have at USF. Uh, all, all of those guys came in this weekend, so – you know, prioritizing them, getting to know them, uh, figuring out how they fit, you know, in our class for next year. And then also, you know, having conversations, trying to work on putting staff together and uh, really trying to get uh, – do the best we can in this early signing period, but really, you know, look at it from a big-picture perspective and put the majority of our focus in uh, getting the staff in here and getting a good plan uh, to hit the ground running in January. How do you balance between how many scholarships you have available right now and, and the 25 number? Because I, I was just talking to somebody from another school, and they were talking about, hey, you, you have to consider the 25 number, which is, there, for those who don't know, you can take 25 what they call uh, initial, part, initial qualifiers, basically, or initial people, basically new people on your team, whether they're transfers, JUCO transfers, kids who signed out of high school with the transfer portal being as robust as it is right now how much do you think about okay if i'm not happy with with what i've got and i've got some other spots do i save them in case there's a good transfer out there sure yeah absolutely you know and i'm, I'm coming from a place and a culture at clemson where 
you know, Coach Sweeney has taken pride that he has not taken one transfer in his, you know, 11 years as the head coach. He's never taken anybody out of the portal. And now I'm in a position where, you know, we're going to need to fill some holes. And so, you know, really the biggest thing as I'm working through everything that's going on, you know, I've really got to kind of figure out uh, where we are as a team, where maybe we need the most help, what positions. And that's part of talking to the current staff that's here right now and, and to people around here and, and maybe watching a little bit of a video and then being able to target, you know, a couple of guys to be, maybe be able to bring in. Uh, whether it's in January or also, you know, in the summer to kind of help, you know, bridge the, the gap that maybe exists right now that hopefully, you know, one year, two years down the road, uh, we're not in the same position we are now. So you brought exactly one person with you from Clemson. It's the, the person you trust most in the coaching business, your dad, Brad Scott. How much of a help has he been in terms of just trying to get your arms around this thing right for those who don't know former florida state offensive coordinator for a long time former south carolina head coach uh instrumental in helping Dabo sweeney built what he built at clemson so how much of a help has he been oh it's been huge it's kind of uh funny it's reminiscent of uh being co-coordinators with tony elliott in the fact that we got two people that are able to really uh work on the offense and everything that goes into it and now, you know, with having my dad, he's going to be in a kind of a senior advisor to the head coach role. And so just everything that goes on, right, the first week that you're a head coach, there's so many. you, you got meetings with boosters and donors. you got meetings with, you know, the current staff that's here. you got, uh, you know, meetings and, and phone conversations with new potential staff hires and, and then also recruiting. So to be able to have somebody here that uh, can work on some of that stuff while I'm doing something else, you know, really, really helps. And then also, you know, just his knowledge. He's been through this before. He's been around this profession for a long time. And uh, he's also been at Clemson for 20 years, you know, and the last 12 I've been there with him as well. So uh, he knows exactly what uh, we're looking for, exactly what we want to do. And so he's just been a great sounding board for me as I've tried to kind of wade through uh, this first week on the job. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. Talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. If you head to calm.com slash staples, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash staples. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash staples. That's calm.com slash staples. So, so you mentioned earlier the, the culture at Clemson and the fact that, that Coach Sweeney has not taken a, a transfer yet. And I'm interested in that because you guys created a, a really interesting recruiting style that even the other kind of national championship contender type teams don't have this. You, yours is almost like Stanford's where you had to be really careful about who you offered and when you offered them because they were going to take it right away and, and you couldn't fill up your class too soon. Uh, do you have to kind of go back to, to the way things were maybe early on in, in 
Coach Sweeney's tenure in terms of now you're dealing with guys that that have a lot of options. You're trying to sell them on what you want. It's not necessarily you guys are at the top of the heap and you're going to be on a really short list when you talk to somebody. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to have to be some modification to that. I'm not going to be able to to keep uh, all the processes and kind of rules and structure that we had in place uh, at Clemson for where we are right now. You know, the, the biggest thing is recruiting is all about relationships, right? It's now all of a sudden you get hired a week before the early signing period and, you know, you're trying to develop some relationships in a quick and short amount of time, uh, which can be uh, very difficult. But, you know, I think there are some things that um, that I will be able to kind of carry over, like my commit policy and those type of things uh, that were very successful for us at Clemson and really fit our culture. But there's definitely going to have to be uh, some modifications, probably very similar to maybe where we were you know, whenever we started at Clemson in 2008, you know, there's a lot of similarities uh, here at USF from where we were in 08 when Coach Sweeney just got started. And, you know, eventually you want to get to the position where, you know, you're building your team through the draft and not through free agency uh, because that's, that's the most stable and the strongest foundation that you can have uh, on your roster. But uh, until you get there, you you got to be smart and, and you know, you look at what SMU did this year. They brought a, a bunch of guys in, and uh, obviously it had an impact on their team, had a great season. And uh, so you kind of have to look at the league that you're in, uh, look at the climate that we're in with talented guys in the transfer portal that just because they're in the transfer portal doesn't mean that there's, you know, a bunch of drama or stigma that goes with them. Like maybe five years ago when you were looking at a transfer where maybe there were a lot more issues now, you know, in the portal, there's guys that are, you know, great guys that maybe fit your culture, but maybe they just, you know, for whatever reason, we're second team, you know, at a top school and they're looking for an opportunity to come south down here to Florida and have an opportunity to play and make an impact. Well, yeah, you've had a lot of guys like that. You had uh, Tavius Feast, Tavian Feaster did that last year, and uh, you had a guy go to West Virginia defensive tackle the year before that, uh, where they, they were good players at Clemson. They just, we're running up against first round draft picks and uh it, how much has that changed you mentioned that the stigma's kind of gone uh, with the transfer how how did that change is it just because they they changed the rules and and made it where you know you didn't have to get the coach's permission to to talk to different schools yeah it, it, it's kind of interesting i think just the the uh, title of the portal uh really changed it because just like you said they're really uh there's not a, a, a major uh, foundational change in the transfer policy other than the fact that you don't have to get the head coach's permission to talk to other schools. And maybe you don't have uh, the restrictions that maybe some schools would put on a young man where they didn't want him to transfer within conference or to their rival. But outside of that, there really is, is not any other change. But the fact that we have this thing that we talk about called the portal it's created a lot of attention and uh, the parents and, and players, they, they understand they're aware of it. And uh, you know, Hey, at the end of the day, our, what our philosophy was at Clemson is if you get to be a senior and you've graduated, you know, then, then you've done what we really asked you to do. And that's to graduate. And if you're not happy with your playing time, if you're a backup and you want an opportunity to go be a starter, then, you know, we supported that at Clemson because, you know, obviously it takes a lot, a lot of work 
to be able to get to a place where you got your degree uh, and, you know, you're a senior and you're ready to go play and, and start. We didn't really have a problem with that when guys wanted to do that. To me, that's a, a, a lot bigger uh, situation than maybe where a freshman comes on campus and doesn't get his way in the first semester and then he wants to, you know, just kind of use that parachute and jump in the portal to uh, try to go somewhere else and try it again. Yeah, he may find out there's not as many spots as uh, on the other teams as he thinks, though. That's that's one of the problems there. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, your commit policy at Clemson and, and maybe trying to, to translate that to USF. What 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 was that policy, and, and how, how would you like to kind of keep it going? Yeah, well, you know, our biggest thing is, and, and when we started this, you know, it was probably, you know, about eight years ago at Clemson, and at first people thought that Coach Sweeney and our staff was absolutely crazy and that it would never work. And what has happened, if you go back and look at the research and the data, we've probably had fewer decommitments than anybody in the country, probably the, the you know, in the top five USD commitments of anybody in the country over the last, you know, eight years. And, you know, the biggest thing is, hey, let's continue to date until you know that you know that you know that you want to get engaged. And, you know, for us, and the same thing that it will be here at South Florida when I get together with my staff and, and we lay this out is, hey, a commitment, you know, it, it, it's like it, it's an engagement. It means that I definitely know this is what I want to do. I'm not going to be dating other people. You know, whenever I proposed to my wife, Sarah, and uh, asked her if she'd marry me, and she said yes, you know, we, we set that date for the next summer to get married. You know, but if I would have gone to her and said, hey, you don't have to worry about anything. I'm definitely going to marry you next June, but I'm just going to go on a few other dates in the meantime. Right. That that wouldn't work out very well. And uh, so that's the way that we look at commitment. And we, and we tell the prospects when we're recruiting them, you take as much time as you need and do not commit before you're ready and you know 100 percent. But when you know that you know that you know, then you better put your name on that scholarship so there's still one there for you. And then the other side is, too too many times, in my opinion, you know, the, the commitment has turned into more of what I would call a reservation. You know, a reservation is like getting a dinner reservation. If, if I think that tomorrow night I'd like to go to a nice steak restaurant, I call and get a reservation at 7.30, but then I've had a long day at work and it's already 7.15 and I decide that I'm just going to go home and order pizza, I don't even have to call the steak restaurant and cancel my reservation because it was just something that I wanted to do and it was very easy to change my mind. And I think a lot of times you may see people that commit to hold their spot until they can find something better. And I think for us, we would rather that just continue the recruiting process until they're at the point where they want to be 100% all in and you know not talk to any other coaches or take any other visits. It does seem like that's a safer route in terms of and you, you get fewer surprises that way and you, I would assume, have to do less babysitting, right? Yeah, and I think because there's a higher level of uh, seriousness in that, you know, then, then you do have fewer decommits because if they're not quite ready, then they probably try to hold off a little bit. And, you know, the biggest thing is it just cuts down on the drama. And, and you know, if our program's going to be known for – um, you know, communication, trust, and respect, doing things the right way, then we need to be able to exhibit that, you know, both ways from player to recruit and recruit, excuse me, from 
uh, coach to recruit and from recruit to the coach. And um, so that's, you know, it's just something that we've done at Clemson, and I believe that we'll be able to do that uh, as well here at University of South Florida. Now, I did a study a few years ago, and I'm trying to remember which four-year period it was. It was either 2013 to 2016 or 2014 to 2017, but you, it was about attrition. And at Clemson, you had seven players that you signed leave your program in a four-year period. Now, for those who don't know, normal is about seven or eight a year. So uh, you you guys were keeping people at, at an unprecedented rate. I wonder, uh, thinking about what you just said about the commitment policy, how much does knowing that's where you want to be help you stay there when maybe things don't go your way right away, like you said, the, you know, the freshman year? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's actually a very uh, good uh, observation because, you know, our experience is the people that are committed and are firm and can withstand that through the recruiting process, then they're going to be the same ones when it maybe doesn't go just right or exactly like they wanted it to their freshman or sophomore year, then they're going to have that same commitment to see it through. And the ones that are jumping around uh, during the recruiting process, well, there's a strong chance that when they get there, if it doesn't go exactly like they want it to, that they're going to jump around. And, and now it's easier than ever, like we've been talking about in the portal. So I think it is a good way to kind of gauge the commitment level of the recruit and of that family. And, um, you know, I think that the other thing that's important is the type of culture that you create within your program when they get there. You know, we want to have a, a program where kids don't want to leave. I mean, that's the, that's the thing that's special about where I was at Clemson. I mean, some we got some guys that are second-team players, but they're loving their experience at Clemson. You know, they're getting an opportunity to play a little bit, but maybe they're not a starter. But they absolutely love their coaching staff. They love their teammates. They love where they are. And then there's there's some, some stick-to-itness that comes from that when you're in a good culture. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you and find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com staples and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com staples to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com staples for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com staples. Now I'm going to ask you a couple questions that I'm sure you got one, two, or maybe 400 times this weekend. What kind of offense is my baby going to be playing in? What kind of defense is my baby going to be playing in? Yeah, well, I think the, the offense part is very easy. People have been able to kind of turn on the TV the last, you know, four or five years and uh, see what we've done at Clemson as far as, you know, playing fast. You know, t- we're going to be a tempo team. We're going to continue to want to put stress on the defense by lining up fast, playing in different formations, um, being able to run it when we want to, when we have to, and then being able to throw it when we want, when we have to. So 
you know, I'm going to hire an offensive coordinator that's going to come in and, and run a system very similar uh, to what uh, people have been able to see at Clemson. And then on defense, you know, I, I want to – I've uh, been studying defenses really for the last 12 years, right, when you're coaching offense. I mean, that's what you do. You sit there and watch everybody else's defense. So I know what has created problems for us in the past. And I think, you know, this day and age, you have to be multiple. I don't think that you can uh, be a great defense if you just are playing odd or if you're just playing four down. You know, I think you've got to be multiple, be able to get in and out of structure, very similar to what Brent Venables does and has done an outstanding job at Clemson. And then, you know, I want to be aggressive. Obviously, you got to find your time uh, to bring pressure. Sometimes being aggressive doesn't mean you're always just blitzing the house, but maybe you're bringing – uh, you know, corner blitz, safety blitz, and obviously different twists and things up front, just kind of creating some indecision for that quarterback. And uh, But that aggressive mindset is uh, what people are going to see from both our offense and our defense. Now, you've obviously practiced that answer. You've, you've given that answer quite a bit over the last few days. Is it hard? How, what are the follow-up questions like? Once you've once you've answered that, because I'm sure they're asking, okay, who's coaching my son? Who's you know who who's going to be this guy? Who's going to be this guy? How do you answer those questions when you haven't even had time to sort through it all? Sure, and uh, that, that's what's kind of difficult. You got an early signing period. You got uh, other coaches that are coaching in bowl games right now, and so obviously you don't want to pull those coaches out of those bowl games. You want to let them finish up the week. So you're in a position where you really can't talk specifically about the coach, but what you can do is say, this is what I'm going to be looking for as I hire my staff. Number one, I'm looking for great men. I'm looking for great men. They're great fathers, great husbands that are going to love their players, high character, high integrity that happen to be a great football coach. You know, great football coaches are a dime a dozen. You can go all over this country and you can find coaches that know X's and O's and, and know how to, to coach and do those things. But to find the people that have the intangibles uh, that, that we're looking for to really be able to enforce the, the culture that we're going to have here at USF, that's, those are the rare guys that I'm looking for. And I've been very fortunate being at the level that I've been at for the last 12 years. You know, I've been able to uh, meet a lot of coaches, very high-quality coaches, and there's a lot of coaches out there that want to be a part of the culture uh, that we've had at Clemson that I'm planning to bring down here uh, to USF. So, you know, I tell them they just have to trust me uh, if they're going to sign in this early signing period that I'm going to bring in the very best uh, man and the very best coach uh, to pour into their son and to pour into them every day uh, on and off the field. So as we tape this, you've been on the job for five days. How much have you slept? Uh, I would say probably three to three and a half hours a night. So one, one funny story that goes into that is, you know, I, I always kind of envision my uh, press conference, you know, my opening day press conference, right, thinking about being a head coach one day. And, you know, I always thought that I'd have like a lot of time to put that speech together. And uh, so I found out what reality really looks like. So Tuesday late afternoon, our family – gets flown into Tampa they immediately pick us up and take us over to Raymond James Stadium to walk around the stadium which was awesome and then we go straight from there to a dinner with the athletic director and some of his staff 
And so in my mind, I think I'm going to get back to the hotel at 10 o'clock and kind of be able to pump this speech out, my notes for the speech out from about 10 to 12. But reality, what happens is you get on the phone with a recruit that wants to talk to you and has some things going on. You're trying to kind of talk them off the ledge. And then, and then you get on the phone for another hour with maybe a, a guy that's in the portal that's wanting to transfer and coming in January. And then you get back to your room and it's 1230. You haven't had a shower yet. So you take your shower and then I sit down in front of my laptop at 1 a.m. And I got a blank curse, blank uh, page with a cursor just blinking right at me at 1 a.m. And, uh, so I, I worked on my talk from probably 1 to 2.15. And then I, I went and got in the bed and woke up at 5.15 and worked from 5.15 to 7 to finish it. I took a shower, got picked up at 7.45, went straight into my team meeting where actually I saw you. And, uh, and I didn't have any notes ready for that, but I went straight into the team meeting. And that, that went really well. Went straight to the president's house, visited with him, walked straight across the courtyard, and then pulled those notes out that I wrote in the middle of the night and uh, went right to it. So that was just a, a really good kind of wake up call for me that, uh, you know, head coach on the job, especially in the first week, you know, it's going to happen really fast and you got to be able to, to, uh, do it on very little amount of sleep. Yeah. You and I don't have a lot of common work experiences, but staring at a blinking cursor very late at night with something due very soon that I understand completely. So God bless you. It was a hell of a speech, by the way. It was fantastic. Uh, Thank you. Well, Jeff, I appreciate it. Enjoy your three hours of sleep tonight, and uh, and good luck with this first signing period on Wednesday. Uh, thanks, Andy. Great being with you. Appreciate you coming over here to, to see us uh, earlier in the week, and uh, hope you'll continue to follow uh, South Florida football this year. I, I will. You're a short drive away. It's easy. So thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's it for the show today. Thank you so much for listening. Come on back later this week. We're going to be talking a lot more recruiting National Signing Day. And by the way, go to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. Sign up for 40% off your first year. This week's going to be great. It is best in class 2020 week. Listen, the early signing period is a relatively new thing, but we know the real National Signing Day is now in December. And at The Athletic, we are blowing it out. Recruiting wall-to-wall all week. We do it all year, too, because we know how important it is. But you're going to read a bunch of great recruiting stories this week in The Athletic. So if you haven't subscribed already, get there. Theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. That's A-N-D-Y-S-T-A-P-L-E-S. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, well, don't need to worry about a discount code or anything. Just hit the button. It's free. And leave a review if you like it. We'll talk to you soon.